developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, episode 34, part two. Talking with guest Adlerify, the improv performer, tricaster, and escape room enthusiast. Before we start, I need to explain what this is. I know you've never before encountered a part two of anything on this podcast. However, every time we finish a discussion, we continue talking amongst ourselves for the benefit of our supporters. And in this case, Adel stuck around, and we talked with him for an additional half hour or so. First, more about escape rooms, then more generally about podcasting, about the strange relationship between a podcaster and his or her listeners. And I thought it was pretty good stuff. I wanted to throw it out for you all to enjoy and to encourage you that if you do like this, maybe you should support us through patreon.com slash pretty much pop. And you can get this insidery kind of fun along with your regular pretty much pop dose on a consistent basis. Plus, I know that you Magic Tavern fans would be into this. If you have not listened to all of Adel's podcasts, let me just give you the URLs right now. It's heyriddleriddle.com, hellofromthemagictavern.com, and siblingspeculiar.com. Spelled peculiar, pronounced pecular. All right, here we go. So we are now yes. entering the private room. Ooh. So we can say all the stuff that we wanted to say before. So I actually was wondering, just to stay on escape rooms for a little more, if you're having done none of them and merely imagining yeah. what the possibilities are, I would think you'd want to use, you would involve all the senses that you're, you're there in the room. Yes. Have you had anywhere you like, you have to eat this thing and detect that it has a strong garlic flavor. And then you would type in garlic. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've done any with taste, but there was one in Chicago that you start off in like Marrakesh in a spice market. And you're running around, you have to input this uh, set of information somewhere, and you don't know where you're supposed to find that information. And then you notice that amongst the carts, there's sort of this innocuous cart with all these little bags in it, and each bag has a specific smell. And you have to figure out which bag is cloves, which bag is rose petals. So that was one of my favorite things in terms of like, oh, shit. I mean, it sucks if you have no sense of (laughs) smell. You're ruined. What about mouthfeel? Mouth. Yeah, I did. God, Brian. Uh, I guess my uncle had an escape room that was the janitor's closet, and I uh, no, no. <laughs> this isn't recording, right? Um, <laughs> Your uncle? Oh God, <laughs> uncle in quotes. But there, there is stuff where it's like. I've done some where you can only you can fit your arm up to your shoulder inside a cabinet or something, but you can't open it. But you have to feel around and you feel the outline of letters. Mm. So it'll spell out something and you just have to use your your sort of tactile sense, which is really, again, just really thrilling in terms of it's not just the visual component. There's something else going on. It would also add an element if you could have something that detects patterns. So like you have to do, you know, a shadow puppet of your hand in the shape of a rabbit or getting the crane stance in front, you know, in order to trigger whatever the thing is. Have you run? Yeah, I've done those too, where there's one where it's like. To get out, you're standing in front of a mirror and you have to strike a pose in front of the mirror for 10 seconds and then it recognizes that you did that and opens up. So there's some pretty advanced rooms with some pretty advanced technology, but some early on, the technology was very bad where it's like you're basically controlling. I had one where you're controlling a remote control car and like the batteries died 
And the person who was running the room was like, let's just pretend that the car got into the room and you got the key. And I'm like, fuck, I want to do like, why is this here if I can't do it? And they're like, we've had trouble with it. I'm like, then it sounds like you should strike it from the set, my man. But I think we've come a long way for sure. I was reading an article right before getting on with you guys that they were talking about the like meteoric rise of the opening of a lot of these escape rooms and how a lot are going away now. And of course, part of it just seems like pure market saturation. But the other part is that a lot of people have signed up to do it and they didn't really have the goods to do it. They just thought, oh, I'll make a lot of money opening up an escape room, but not actually putting the care into it that they should have. Yeah, I, when I did that one in Houston, the Houdini one, I got to hang out with the folks who created it afterwards. And they were like, so many people are coming to Houston to open up rooms because they've heard through whatever sources, they've heard it's a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> How in the world? They're all failing because they don't know what they're doing. Or it's it's almost like restaurants where it's like, if you go to somewhere, maybe New York's a bad example, but I'll still use it. If you go to New York and go into any restaurant, chances are it's going to be pretty good. Because otherwise, it can't fucking survive in New York. Like, people aren't going to go. If somebody in New York has 55,000 options for food, they're not going to go to this shitty place. So I think the saturation is somewhat good in terms of it forces out terrible rooms and the cream rises to the top. Because it's still sort of the Wild West for escape rooms, I think. But the more people who get into it, the more you see what makes a good one and what makes a poor one. And in a market like in Chicago, the first four or five in Chicago sucked, but everyone loved them. And then when the real ones came in, you're like, oh, shit, now I have taste. Like, now I can discern hamburger from steak. You had mentioned the particular one of the person swapping out the fact that you can have a game master standing behind and kind of make judgment calls about did you solve the problem or not? That would actually enable you to have like... In order to get out of here, you have to discover and recite. You need to learn something about yourself, which is what happens in every movie that involves, I didn't just solve the puzzle. I did it by flashing back to that memory of <laughs> the personal loss that I suffered and getting over it. Yeah, it becomes, uh, if you've seen, have you seen Infinity Train, the cartoon? It's no. basically, you're trapped in this eternal train and you get out by learning something about yourself and there's puzzle. Yeah. But that human element, again, when I talked about immersive theater being something that I think is necessary to grow escape rooms, that human element is exactly what I'm talking about. Because even in most rooms, there'll be a computer screen in the room and there's someone on the other end typing in clues. So there's someone sort of watching on a monitor and they'll see what you've done and what you haven't, how close you are to breaking through to the next thing. And they can literally type up a clue that's almost tailor made for you and your group in terms of helping nudge you along. So I think that's a really neat element that they can play with in terms of making sure you you get as long as you can in the room while not feeling frustrated. But some rooms have like a button they push or like a scroll. But yeah, that outside element from the person running the room is so fun. And, and I think the possibilities haven't been tapped for that yet in terms of what's possible to happen when you have humans versus just technology. Mark, you got to get yourself to one of these. Yeah. Next time I'm in town, we'll go. Where are you all located? New York. I'm in no. Madison, Wisconsin. The New York of the Midwest. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. The New York of Missouri. The Paris of Missouri. <laughs> I'm within driving distance of Chicago, so I, I certainly have been tempted to at least come out to an IO Theater production. To a, Please. To yeah, a, please let me know and I'll grab you comps and if there's time, we'll do a room. You've got three podcasts. Pick your shittiest one. I'll be the guest on it. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Would you like to come on Magic Tavern? <laughs> 
I had a question about, so siblings pecular, that's the mm-hmm. spelled peculiar, pronounced pecular, is the one I sort of started most recently. So, so just to, for Brian, Eric and the listeners, so this is what a, a role playing one, but it's all conspiracy theory. So it's like, we're going to talk about the supernatural, but Adel's playing a character at, with his sister playing brother and sister characters. And it, so it's just, these guests, which you advertise both by their real names and then in the show notes by their fake names that are just, you know, to improv conspiracies about anything. I guess first a, li- a little bit about that seems like a pretty open-ended fun formula for consider anything. <laughs> Could I come up with a, you know, the Muppets are actually monitoring our minds. Like <laughs> you think there are actual hands in there? There are lizard people in the fucking yeah, Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> you come up with Their anything. bodies have grown to look like hands and then humans attach. <laughs> uh, fuck. I used to know the name of the show. One time on a road trip at like, I was driving back from New Orleans with some friends at like 3 a.m. in the morning and we put on the, is it Art Bell? It's something coast. It's not coast to coast, but it's something coast. But it was this radio program we turned on. We just we were just turning the dial, and it was something coast. Yeah, it's Art Bell's coast to coast. Oh, it is. We were both right. So there's somebody who, it was a host, obviously, and then somebody called in, and it was this woman being utterly sincere. And she's like, hey, my name's Danielle. I'm in Omaha. And twice a week... I have a demon presence hovering above my bed. And the host was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Does it say its name? And she's like, no, but it's hinted that, you know, its name is Marcus. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. And it was that idea that the host was not skeptical, that the host was like a hundred percent. Like whatever you say, it's like, I believe you a hundred percent. I'm your ally and let's, let's solve this together. So I was crying listening to that because I'm like, this is so sad and funny and beautiful. And my sister and I were looking for a project to do together because she's a wonderful actress and I do improv. So we were like, let's just do something like that. So we've done, I don't know how many episodes we've done, maybe 50 or something. We haven't done a new one in six months or so. So I think right now we're doing two a year or so. We've sort of fallen off as she's gotten busier and busier and, and book stuff. It's one of my favorite things to do just in terms of, like you said, Mark having people come in with just like, I don't know, is this a premise? And it's like, absolutely. <laughs> the Muppets are reading our minds. Well, I noticed so the last one I listened to, Jim Jacobs, the guy that invented Greece. So this is like the first one that breaks the format where he's not playing a character. You're just interviewing him. He just has a weird, fast talking way that made him sort of fit. Was that kind of a, I know this guy that will do an interview, but like, which of my three podcasts would he be best for? I have these even with three now, like I'll have these ideas. Like, I don't know which podcast to put it on. Probably none of them. <laughs> my sister. So I mentioned my sister's an actress. She just knows a lot of cool people in, in the acting world. And so she did a project with Jim Jacobs and she was like, I was talking to Jim and he'd be willing to come on the show. And I was like, great. What's he going to play? And she's like, I think he's just going to talk about Greece. And I'm like, okay, like <laughs> I'd rather have Jim Jacobs, the creator of Greece, which is one of my favorite movies on the show and talk about whatever he wants to talk about. than be like, you know what? No, thank you. Like <laughs> hard pass. So it is a funny thing of like, we're playing our, characters but we're also just prompting him for stories about princess die and all this you know it's just it is the one that breaks the format but to me there's a joy in that just in terms of like i don't know what did you expect from this 75 year old playwright <laughs> who's wrote one of the most successful things of all time did he also write greece too i don't know I don't know. I would be surprised. I hope not. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> Let's just assume. Let's all pretend the answer's no, even if we don't know the answer. Although I think Reproduction is uh, one of the greatest songs of all time. Mark, you should listen to, if, if nothing else, you should listen to the JFK episode, 
I can't remember what number it is, but it's called JFK well, it's, Ramblings. It's right before that. It's right before, oh, yeah. Right? Where Joey Romaine, yeah. who I remember on Magic Tavern as well, just just talking very fast. And He's the funniest human alive. And I think he did two or three JFK ones with us. And it's just us like putting fuel in his tank and then stepping back and watching the cargo. It's really a joy to listen to. Although the guy that was trying to argue that the world of Harry Potter is real, that you did yeah. come down skeptical on that one. <laughs> Every, so that was my roommate at the time. That was a few years ago, my friend Scott, and I just left giving him a hard time. So I definitely pick and choose who I, <laughs> who I support and who I, who I needle. See, that's one I could actually get talked into. Yeah. Like under the right circumstances. Like, oh, all right. We've had a few like on twi- on social media comments or a few like iTunes reviews where I think maybe specifically the one Matt Young did. Matt D- Young did one where it's like there's lizard people among us and among the lizard people, there's snake people or something where it's like some snake people are actually you know, whatever. It's a pretty deep inception type rabbit hole to go down. But we have so many things on social media comments and then iTunes reviews where people are upset because they think it's a real show. And they're like, this poor man is clearly mentally ill. All the hosts do is like laugh at him. <laughs> it's just like, but they don't understand that it's, they don't understand it's a fake show. And it's like, this is exactly what I was going for when I made this. <laughs> if everyone got it, you were doing something wrong. Yes. Really. I mean, if, if there wasn't someone taking it seriously, yes. you, you failed. So I absolutely crave these moments of just like somebody stumbling upon one of those episodes and just being like, this is disgusting. <laughs> How dare they mock this man who has, and it's just like, you're an idiot. Well, with Magic Tavern, there's a comparable that obviously people know that it's fiction, but I recall one of you saying at some point that people would complain, like, you don't have to tell us at the beginning of every episode that it's not real. We know that it's not real because they didn't understand the framing device also being part of the show and Tim's role in that. Yeah, people would get viscerally (laughs) upset where they're like, I have X, Y, and Z going on in my life and it's so hard and this is my one escape. Why do you have to say that the show is fake uh, at the book? And it's just like, what? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> but people get pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, we appreciate it. We, I mean, we have a very fervent fan base, but it is interesting to just have people. And I think everyone's made the turn to where they're like, now we can't wait to hear the space bunker stuff. But there was a time where people were genuinely upset that they were reminded that they live in a terrible world and what they're listening to is uh, fantasy. <laughs> And I, I guess I can uh, relate to that. So I was going to ask you about balancing three podcasts, but I guess your solution has been just to not do the third one very often. So that's not. <laughs> yeah. But I also have, I'm currently working on two other podcasts. So ah, I definitely. What have I missed? <laughs> I get itchy where I'm like, I'm just like, I basically have a 12 page document of podcast ideas. And when I stumble upon the right time or I stumble upon a network who reaches out and says like, do you have anything or the right people to work with? then I I get to work on something. I've just found it very frustrating. So the philosophy one built up over 10 years, really strong listener base, but it's been very hard to then do anything else because it's like it's, it's, people are subscribed to that feed yeah. and even telling them, here's a new thing, go to that other feed. And so it's like getting people to do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's it's so slow. So you feel like all your success, how to, how to leverage it. But I do see that, that at least, Riddle Riddle is getting some, what, a thousand reviews or some, you know, some decent numbers are the, or are they still like just I mean, a I tiny think it's somewhere around 1727, but I don't know for certain. Okay. Um, <laughs> as compared to Magic Tavern, it's still a mon, you know, even though it's the same kind of humor in some ways, yeah. it's probably a, a fraction. 
of the yeah. And I mean, Magic Tavern's been going five years, and Hey Riddle's been going about a year or so. Um, okay, but I think also Magic Tavern got in on the ground floor of maybe not ground floor, but an early floor in, in improv and podcasting. And I mm-hmm. feel like hundreds of people have thrown their hat in the ring for that, including celebrities. So it's hard to compete with some of that. It is funny, and not that I'm sort of accusing you of this now. But it is funny, like the more podcasts you do, even if they find success, it is funny that people, whether it's uh, subconscious or pointed, people want to compare them. So there'll be people who like we just did a Magic Tavern tour. And while we're doing meet and greets, we're in I'm in my chunk costume. People would come up and be like, hey, great live show. I just want to say, hey, Riddle Riddle. I I like Hey Riddle Riddle more than Magic Tavern. And like Arnie and Matt are standing right there. And I'm like, that's cool, but also like not a cool time to say that. And they're like, oh, whatever. And then they leave. Or people will be like, I just started listening to Hey Riddle Riddle. It's so fucking funny. It's not Magic Tavern, but it's so funny. And I'm like, cool. But it is interesting. And I guess that's across all medium, right? I mean, obviously he's dead now, but the first example I thought of is like, you know, if Kurt Vonnegut wrote a new book, I'm sure people were like, really cool. It's no breakfast of champions, but night mother, fun stuff, right? Um, or, or any filmmaker or anything. People are just awkward. They're just what, that's what they do. And I don't know why they do it. I finished a show years ago and I was standing next to my castmate and he's freaking funny. And there were definitely some people I'm sure who liked him better than me, but this particular woman looks at me and she goes, Oh, you were wonderful. And then she looked over and saw him and she goes, you were great too. And then she looked back at me like, like she was doing it secretively, like with her eyes and go, but you, and we had the best laugh about it. What do you do? That happens hourly to me. (laughs) That's such a funny thing. And I don't know why it happens. And I think it is a matter of people being awkward or whatever, or they're like, this is my one chance. But so often there is this element of like, and personally, I don't need to be loved, but I also don't want to be hated. But like, I've done shows like my co-host Aaron Keefe for Hey Riddle, her and I and Rob Cordry did a live show in San Francisco. And after the show, we're doing a meet and greet. And this guy walks up to Aaron and he goes, oh my gosh, like, I love you so much. You're my favorite host on the show. I'm so excited to meet you. And I was like, that's cool. Like, she deserves that praise. And then he turns to me and he goes, you not so much. And I go, I don't know you. And he starts laughing and I'm like, okay, I'm glad you're having fun. And I also, I'm a very sensitive person, but it is so funny to me of like, please celebrate people. You shouldn't have to put someone else down to lift someone else up. Yeah. You shouldn't have to stand on my shoulders to lift up someone, you know. But don't you have an expectation? I mean, I do, that there are going to be people who really don't like me personally or this show. And like, that's fine. Someone who's liked by everyone is doing something wrong also. For sure. And that's the thing is like, I know a lot of people don't like me or outright hate me, but it's a thing of... Outright hate you? I assume. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm mostly going off of the the look that Mark's giving me right now. The guy that slows the podcast down. He keeps tapping to his watch and then his eyes. Um, (laughs) But I think there's something where I, Brian, I do expect that. And I do, I have made peace with that. I do agree that like, if everyone likes me, then you're, you're probably doing something wrong. But I do think there's something wild to me of people who have to outright express it to me or who search me out for that. So right. if you're in line, you know, meeting Matt and Arnie and you want to tell those two how much you love them, please do. And if you don't say anything to me, I forget about it in five seconds and I move on with my life. But to like turn to me and pointedly say like, I don't care for chunt or like, I don't think you're doing good work or whatever. That to me is just wild. And maybe it's like my upbringing or I don't know what it is. One thing to think about, maybe, is 
they listen to this program and they think they know you and and they do know you. They have a relationship established that, you know, it's one directional, but it's a real thing for them. I mean, there are podcasts I listen to that they talk about. It's a club that everyone's an exclusive club that everyone's invited to. Right. I know their personalities and their quirks, but they're strangers to me. And maybe that's a little bit of that going on. Absolutely. So, yeah, there is. I forget what they call that. There's some sort of term for that sort of phenomenon, right? Podcasting. With podcasting specifically, because it's all false intimacy, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, there's some new term, I think, developed just for it. I'll have to look it up. With audio, because you can't see the person, because they're in your ears and you're throughout your whole day, there, there's that intimacy. So there are constantly, you know, I'll be around Chicago or wherever I am. I'll be at a restaurant and somebody will come up and be like, bing bong, you little bitch. And I'm like, what? In my head, I'm not <laughs> mentally prepared for like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, bing bong, you little bitch. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, Magic Tavern. I'm like, oh, cool. And they're like, I'm a Magic Tavern fan. I'm like, you could have said that. <laughs> but they're, or, or like. <laughs> then they would have shown you how clever they are. <laughs> yeah. Or like the things that we jab at each other about with, you know, with Magic Tavern or Hey Riddle, the jokes we make to each other, we're friends of X amount of years. So we can make those jokes and there's some playfulness and fun there. But there is that over-familiarity that I despise where people will say to whomever about whatever that's just really abrasive in terms of like, you don't know us. Why are you addressing someone's looks or weight or whatever that is? It's really disturbing. It does like linger with you. And then you become overly protective of of yourself and your castmates a little bit. But it's a wild fucking world. (laughs) There is something that happened recently. Uh, You know, my brother's an opera singer and opera critics are like a lot of other critics, but even harsher in a lot of ways, right? So it doesn't matter if you're a great singer or not. If you're off that day, they don't immediately go to, oh, that person, maybe they're sick or maybe that person's tired because they've sung a lot. They go to, oh, they've really worn themselves out. Maybe they've ruined their voice by singing. Like they jump to a conclusion. And I find myself getting very frustrated over comments that I'll read about my brother. And he gets frustrated about them, I think, too. He's gotten better about just reading them and letting them slip off. But my husband was telling us about, are you familiar with Kind of Funny? And Greg Miller, is he's a podcaster and he's a he has several TV shows that stream. And he has a huge internet fan base. And he said after a while of, you know, it used to really, really bother him to get negative feedback. And then he started realizing the more he engages with the negative feedback, the less time he's actually giving to the many other fans that actually like what he does. So he started to just not even acknowledge them because he's like, my time is better spent with people who enjoy my company. I love that. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think something, so uh, on Hey Riddle Riddle, my other co-host, JPC, who's fantastic, he said to me one time when I was feeling bummed out about somebody saying something, to I think, about the show, the, uh, Hey Riddle specifically, they're like, this show blank or whatever it was. He was like, always remember, 95% of the people who love this show will never say a word to us. And the 5% who don't like it will take up all our time and bandwidth. The 5% who don't like something will blast out or say or do whatever and, and, and occupy our total mind space. But just remember that, you know, we have X amount of listeners and they probably won't always say something, but know that they're there kind of thing. So I really appreciate that idea of giving your time and energy and focus to people coming from a place of love or respect or enjoyment versus those who are like, are you open to notes? <laughs> It depends who you are. <laughs> After one of the Magic Tavern live shows, there's, I think, two or three guys who went up to Matt and they're like, have you ever thought about Usador having a door in his hat for the live shows? I think that would just give him more. And Matt's like, what do you want? <laughs> like, D- I'm so sorry. Can you move along? It's just like, it-, it is wild to me of, you know, it's so funny. 
So, so yeah. funny. Oh, I think, Mark, I think I remember the term, which is parasocial relationship. Parasocial, yes. It might have existed before podcast probably has, but I think that's the term that I've seen used over and over when describing over familiarity with fan base and podcasters. And I've also had people like I've been in different cities. I've been in like LA or wherever and someone on the street will, will be like, Adol. And I'm like, Hey, and they're like, how's it going? What are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm here for work. They'll be like, how are you? And I'm like, good. How are you? And after like three minutes of pleasantries and small talk, I'll be like, where do I, ah, where do I know you from? I we've, Wow, where did we? And, and in my head, I'm trying to be polite of like, shit, I don't remember this person. And then they'll be like, oh, I'm just a fan of blank. You've never met me. And I'm like, cool. So, <laughs> so let's start with a greeting. Like, <laughs> is that cool? Yeah, it is very weird to just have people assume they, they know you. My old para friend, Adel. <laughs> yes. my <laughs> Life be bonkers. Well, they should just know that they should just start a podcast. They can invite their favorite podcast host on with them. And then they can, when they see each other in person, they can then have something to remind them of. Adel, this is why he started Pretty Much Pop. It was all a long con to get Aww. you on his podcast. There we go. You consider me almost your father. Is that why it's pretty much pop? <laughs> the, we tried to get celebrities on the philosophy podcast for years. And we had a couple. We had Lucy Lawless come on. She was like a fan. Ooh, and uh, Paul Provenza. Cool we got shit. Uh, Dr. Drew. Yeah. But getting somebody to like read a philosophical text and discuss mm-hmm. it with us and not feel like self-conscious that they're going to sound like they don't know what they're talking about because they probably don't. Yeah. Like we tried to get James Franco, like there have been people like that have expressed interest in philosophy, like, come on, support public philosophy, come on with us. And, but so this was supposed to be at least one of the things that was like, Hey, if we don't require anything of people (laughs) and just let them talk about something they like, maybe I can get more people. Uh, Absolutely. And I think (laughs) this felt very easy and fun and and enjoyable. Most of that is you three being so kind and and facilitating conversation, but I, I could understand. I'm not huge into philosophy, but I could definitely understand being on a philosophy podcast where you're just waiting for the screws to be put to you. <laughs> it's like, right. explain your theory. And it's like, but I can't <laughs> articulate it right now on the spot. Exactly. Defend your position yes. is what you're going oh, to tell. I think that's going to be the name of my new podcast. Defend, Defend your, position. your position. I love it. Yeah. Erica, what was, you mentioned doing shows and, and being on tour and stuff. Is that another podcast? Is that a uh, something else? Theater? Or? She's a real performer. Yeah, what was theater. it? Theater, that's Theater, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. In, in New York? Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I was what? in Boston for a number of years and then moved here about three years ago. So musicals and I haven't done any plays in New York, just musicals. I'm in New York about six times a year to go specifically to go see Broadway shows. Oh, cool. Well, the next time I hopefully am in something, I'll let you know. What was the last show you were in? Or? The last thing I did was an Annie Get Your Gun out in Sag Harbor. But I did a carousel on Broadway last year. So that was... That was the biggie. And you're, that was in Sag Harbor, not Sag After? Right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Sag After Harbor. Yeah. Hey, we should say goodbye to our supporters. We've tried their patience <laughs> long enough. Uh, you can edit it down. Come on, Mark. Thank you, Thanks supporters. Everybody. Bye, supporters. Thanks for supporting us. I'm going to stop uh, my recording. Stopping it. Me too. Enough of this. Hey, thanks for sticking through that. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Again, you can get after talks that are, well, of the same type, perhaps not as entertaining as this one, but definitely a lot of good stuff sprinkled in there. You can add that to your regular Pretty Much Pop diet if you support us at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.